to full energy From bed right here cause they're my enemies Subscribe and like, rate and review Look on top of the day, couple guess too We're gonna win the trophy, we're overdue Can we do the double, make it deja vu It's a move, London ting, girl, but it's only on the wing Harry's one of our own island It's only got money, but let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali that's talking With the shell side, with the shell side With the shell side, what we see With the shell side, with the shell side Now it's a new London thing Welcome to Shellside Podcast. I'm your host for today, Kwabna, and we are missing Andrew. Um, he's taking a well-deserved break. But in his absence, we've got two stellar all-stars in Carl and Lero. Carl's been on the pod before. Welcome back, man. Welcome back. Great to have you. Thank you for taking the time. Great to be here. Excited to chat all things Spurs. <laughs> Good to have you here, man. Good to have you here. And Lero, you're back again. Super sub. Yo. Yeah. I've been scoring a couple goals. That's why you lot keep bringing me on. <laughs> Baggers only, man. Baggers only. Baggers only. Trust. Um, cool, man. Well, listen. Um, I trust you're both well, um, and you're feeling good after after what was, you know, could have been a sticky uh, a sticky game. But I thought it was a. I thought it was very entertaining. It was a disappointing result to me, but um, I thought it was very entertaining. Carl, what were your first thoughts? Your first reactions after the game? I think it was a great game. It was one of the best games of football I've seen live. It's one of the best games of football I've seen. Like, I watched the highlights. It was even one of the best highlights I've seen. Um, <laughs> I thought going into the game, we were going to lose 3-0. I'd have been fine with that. Um, I'd have bitten your hand off if you offered me a point. And to come away with that the way we did just shows... It shows how far we've come, right? Think back to this time last year. We were up one new up against Liverpool. They pegged us back. Bergwijn missed. Season goes down the toilet. Firmino scores a winner, right? Same thing almost happened, except this time we pulled it back. And frankly, we should have won the game early doors, but we didn't. You know, whatever happened, happened. But yeah, we should have won the game. We didn't. Uh, and fantastic result. Very, very positive there, man. Very positive there. So, Lero, are you sharing this, are you sharing this positivity, this, this optimism? I want to, but I don't think I can. I mean... <laughs> Classic, uh, I'll be on, No, 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 no. no, no <laughs> let, let me be honest. Of course, everything that Carl said is 100% correct. I thought we was going to lose the game. Happy, you know, I was hoping for a point out of the game. That's the truth of the matter. But Spurs do it all the time. We have an opportunity to win the game. These games make the difference at the end of the season, you know? And it was a good opportunity to actually kind of take the three points from Liverpool, and we didn't do it, you know? I'm happy that we got the draw. I'm happy that we got a point out of it. But while we was in the game, and I realised that we could actually win this game, we should have won it. Lero, Lero, we, we're Tottenham, first of all. <laughs> No, I know. And I'd, I'd love us to be clinical. I'd love us yeah. to put games away, but we're Tottenham. It's always, it's 90 minutes of squeaky bum time. Liverpool had two shots before yeah. we even got out, got our socks on today. Two yeah. very, do you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Two very good opportunities, right? So the first, Robertson should have scored. That header, he was in acres of space, he should have scored, right? Um, and then... And then we have uh, then we have Trent Alexander Arnold with a very stinging shot, bro. And it was a great save by um, by Lloris. 
who I still think is criminally underrated. But um, it's great, great save from him. So it could have been, it could have been two 0 early doors, and then and that would have left us on a mad decline. But then it's a different story. It's it's, it's hanging on. We lose three 0 We go home. We're like, yeah, that's expected. It's only because we played so well that you're upset that we didn't pack the game away. But we're Tottenham, and yeah, but. That excuse has got to stop. I, you know what? They've, they've beaten you into submission just like me. We've got to that stage where, oh, when it's Spurs, so we can accept it. But I don't want to accept it. I want us to push on. And I'm not saying that it was going to be in that game, but there's got to become a point when, under Antonio Conte and our summer buyers or whatever, we have now that, uh, that it's Spurs can no longer be an excuse. We have to press on. I, I agree with you. Conte's been there a month and the players are the same players and yep. the games that we've won with Conte we haven't played amazingly well so no, we haven't. frankly I can, like, there's nothing I've seen from Conte like, don't get me wrong I'm Conte in I'm Conte all the way but there's nothing I've seen yep. in the games we've played under Conte so far that said we deserve to even be in the running against Liverpool no. so the fact that you want us to be beating Liverpool based on what you saw yes, like, based on what you saw is just it's testament to how how far we've come so quickly and how good we are. There's a real sense, there's a real sense of progress, right? There's no thing anyone can deny that. There are some very contentious issues in this game, though, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna give you each one and we can break it down, right? Lero, the cards or the cards that weren't given, right? So there were four cards each, four yellow cards each, and one red card for Liverpool, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there was a lot of contention. They were talking a lot about Harry Kane's um, uh, red card and etc. Blah, blah, he only gets away because he's in the captain, etc. How did you feel about those red cards, or not? Not red cards, as the case may be. To be fair, I think Harry's. Or we know Harry's was a blatant red card. I think the motion. No, let me start at the beginning. The referee was poor. Absolutely poor. He was like, you know, for both sides. For me, he spoke the spectacle, even though it was a good spectacle. Harry should have had a red card. Uh, it was a dangerous tackle. Different um, position in the pitch, but, you know, it's in the middle of the pitch. Out of frustration. That tackle was out of frustration and really should have been a red card. Um, the tackle against Royale, whew, whew, you can't compare the two, I don't think. That was vicious, malicious vindictive and everything you know like he looked like he wanted to end his career whereas I don't think Harry looked like he wanted to end um end my man's career that's that's true and I don't I don't know where where it came from like I'm keep on trying to work out if there's somewhere else in the beginning of the game earlier in the game where there had maybe been a coming together because it seemed so vindictive like he was really trying to make a point but I couldn't see yeah. any point where they clashed beforehand so no nor could I Cool. Yeah, so I mean, he just lost it. He lost his head the same way Kane did. But I agree. I think they both. I think they both should have been reds. And I think yeah. people people trying to just people trying to talk about Kane not getting a red as a way to justify Robertson not getting a red is that's just wrong. It's a, it's a short sighted. I mean, Carl, Carl, what do you think of it? Two wrongs don't make a right. So if Kane's a red, if Kane's decision to if if the decision to keep Kane on was the right, yeah. if the decision to keep Kane on was the wrong decision, it doesn't stop. Robertson deserving a red. Robertson, clear red. When I saw it, I heard Royale scream. It was right in front of me. I was like, get that man off the pitch. That is a... If it wasn't football, that would be... Uh, you'd be in jail for that. Yes, <laughs> it was horrible. I agree. I agree. It was, it was disgusting, man. And that, that looked like... 
wrong wrong person that's crucial it's like it looks it looks yeah to be swiped like that if that's me i'm, I'm with scuffing bro i'm like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not having that in the, in the slightest. And Skippy, Skippy to the rescue. He was in there immediately. He was going to take Robertson's head off. And yeah, then he got beef. involved. He back the beef. So, yeah, he saw how bad it was. Canes. He did back the beef. All right, Canes. Cool. You're gone. Canes, I don't think it was that bad. Yes, he missed time the talent challenge. He lunged in. Foot was off the ground. On that basis, it's a red card. I've heard people saying Kane was sprinting. Have you seen Kane sprint? Kane sprints <laughs> like a 40 year old man. He jogged over. Like, Kane busting a gut is a jog. So, man, he was just amped up. He just scored. He was amped up, yeah. He was amped up. Crowds were behind him. But, yeah, I can see why that wasn't a red. No one on the pitch reacted. Fans didn't react. Referee was terrible, so fair enough. Yeah, no, and, Sorry, just that. to jump in there. Yeah, go on. I think the referee made so many mistakes that he evened up the whole game because their second goal for me wasn't a goal. Do you know what I mean? He, he just made so many mistakes that, yeah, everything just evened up. So for me, I know people are complaining that he didn't get sent off, but you got a goal that you didn't deserve because that was a handball. Do you know what I mean? So it just evened itself up. Exactly, you know? So it just evened itself up, to be fair, the whole game. OK, so if we're going to talk about that here, Carl, I'll come to you. When we think about those, those uh, cards, let's talk about the pens, right? Or the pens that, you know, were not given. There too. The first comes on Dele Alli, like, in the box, goes down under a challenge from Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, Liverpool then go back up the other side and score. And then there's the challenge on Real on, on Jota. Were both penalties? Were one a penalty, one not? Where do you stand? They were both penalties. I can see how the referee got them both wrong, but I don't understand how VAR got them both wrong. So, with Delhi. You could see, like from where I was sitting, couldn't tell. But having seen the replay, having seen what VAR would have seen, you can see Trent's hands away from his body, pushing like a kid, pushing another kid. Yeah. Then he's there, he's about to hit the ball, he's put, bundled over, no attempt to play the ball, stone wall penalty, I don't know why VAR missed it, maybe just because Liverpool went up the other end and scored, he didn't feel he could call it back. Now, the Liverpool penalty... Absolute clumsy buffoonery from Royale, who otherwise I thought was pretty solid and has been pretty solid this season, so I was surprised by that. Um, I think he got bailed out by the fact that Sanchez was sort of sweeping in and sort of made it look a little bit, you know, a little bit more confusing for the ref. But I don't understand why VAR didn't catch it. And I'm grateful, don't get me wrong, but both penalties, complete apple complete and utter shambolic refereeing from VAR and the on-pitch ref. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I think that they were both penalties. I think you can't put... If if someone... If anywhere else in the box, in the on the pitch, if they put two hands on Delhi and sent him down... Like, don't get me wrong, I do think he I do think he went down a little bit easily, right? But that aside, you put two hands on someone, send them to the floor in the penny area, that's a penny. That is a penny. The same way... Yeah. Real coming across, he didn't get any of the ball. He cleared Jota out, right? Yes, Jota stopped. He was looking for it. Fine. But that's a smart play on his part, right? It should have been a penny. They were both pennies. They both played the game intentionally and both defenders made fools of themselves, right? That's what happened. Yeah. But what I, what I yeah. can't stand is when you're watching Match of the Day, you're watching Sky Sports, everyone's banging on, on and on and on about how Jota was denied a penny. Yeah, he was. He was. But so was Deli Ali. Like, both of them, like, if he goes down gently, fine. But it doesn't sort... 
Were there two hands on his back? Yes. But was there force applied to his back while he was in motion? Yes. It's a penalty. It's a penalty. Yeah. And the fact that it came it came just before Liverpool's goal, which was on the back of a handball, to me, means it was actually a much bigger turning point than Jota's. So I actually don't know why it got so much more airplay. Apart from the fact that yeah. the football media is pretty much everyone who's ex-Liverpool, which they really yeah. need to address. Yeah, well, look, any professional in that position is going to play for the penalty. And I think they both made their body big. As you said, they both stopped within their, within motion and they did the challenge. It's a penalty, do you know what I mean? And I think Winks even tried to do that again a little bit later on. And I was still, I'm, I was convinced that was a penalty as well. I'll be honest with you, because as a defender, you're challenging. You've got to make a clear, a clean attempt to win the ball, and this is not both of us going up for a header. We shoulder barge each, uh, shoulder barge each other, and none of us get the header. This is a player's under control of a ball. He's put his body in the in the line of sight of your line of sight, and you've just clattered him up in the air, knee in the back. That's a penalty for me. Do you know what I mean? And it just showed... I, just the referee wasn't on it. He wasn't on it. wasn't brave enough. It just wasn't... I don't think he was at the level, to be fair. Honestly. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I actually forgot about that, um, that, that, um, that incident. Because there was, no, there was no attempt to play the ball. Bundling went over. You came from inside the penalty area. Like, again, there's just no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that whatsoever. No. But I think... Outside of those contentious decisions, there was a clear progression in the way we played, right? So yep. there's a clear system, there's clear intent. We're driving towards something. And we saw that reflected in one of the most contentious stats out there, XG. So for Liverpool's XG to be 0.6, I think, 0.6 something, and Tottenham's to be at 2.6 something was a stark contrast to the, the football we've become used to seeing over the past, like, 18 months to two years, right? It's been yeah. it's been dire at times, and to see us creating guilt edge chances over and over again against one of the top two sides in the country was really encouraging, really encouraging. And I thought to myself, yeah, it was against Liverpool, and we were trying to get something out of the game. But I really felt that feeling of enjoying watching Tottenham again, which has been missing for so long. There was an actual level of enjoyment there. And to me, that's the priceless thing. Like, a lot of people talk about winning stuff and blah, blah. Like, of course, we all want to win stuff, right? But before you even try to win stuff, you want to be proud of the football team you're supporting because they're playing in a way that you find engaging. It's pleasing on the eye. Like, everything. There was commitment. There were great patterns of play. There was dogged defending. There was relentless attacking. And that really reflected itself in the way we played. And I just thought it was just so encouraging to see. Let me, let me start with the, that first bit you said about the way we play. I actually think that's more important than winning trophies. And I'm going to get crucified for this, but stay with me. Because <laughs> if you take England, there are only four things you can win. Right? Premiership, yep. two domestic cups, and if you're in Europe, yep. a European yep. trophy. There's only four things to play for. There are, more, there are 20 clubs in the Premier League. So, you know, 16 clubs are going to be unhappy every, every season. And maybe even 17 because yep. of Europe. So, while it's definitely nice to win stuff, and for us, we want to get that monkey off our back, we want to stop the Woolwich lot bantering us, but to get, that, to get that atmosphere, to get that momentum, to get the fans behind you, to, get, to attract players 
to attract the manager, to attract staff. You want to be playing entertaining football week in, week out. That's what's going to keep your fans there. That's what's going to provide the revenue, the gate receipts that can let you go out and spend 80 million on Vlavic or whoever else it is. Right? You, you have to get the football right. Yeah. yeah. No, you absolutely do. Yeah. And I think when you look at, when you look at the, the comments that Klopp made, he was like, oh, yeah, they've played 5-3-2. They've, played they've got those two guys up front. And they just pretty much just like hit the ball over them. To, to get attack as soon as possible, get to them as soon as possible. Our second goal, I think there were like 14 passes in the lead up to a, to a second goal where there was no touch, no touches from a Liverpool player. There were 14, 14 to 15 consecutive passes that led to Son's goal. And yeah, Alisson should have done better, but it was a beautiful ball by Winks and he was able to put them in a position where they had to make a decision. And that's what you, any good attacking player does. It forces the defence to make a decision, right? That's not of their own validity. And then take, take advantage of it. And that's exactly what happened. You can't say that we were just punting the ball long. We carved you open. And that just yeah. hasn't happened for so long. 100%. And the first yeah. goal even, it, he should have been proud of that. That was Ralph Ragnick, Jürgen Klopp, Gerg, um, Jürgen Klopp, Gegenpress 101. Yeah, Gegenpress football, yeah. Exactly. Win the ball back in six seconds, turn it around, through ball from Ndombele, Kane, bottom corner, 1-0. Like, he would have loved that. Ask Jürgen Klopp football. There's none of this kick it over the top, you know, four four two Burnley stuff. I don't listen to him. He's like a baby. No, I don't. He's like a baby. When they lose, he is the original baby, man. And I just, I think to myself, for such a footballing genius, when things go wrong, he really kind of just goes completely the opposite way. So I just, I don't listen to Klopp, man. Honestly, like, um, I think. The reason why I agree with you guys, it's the first game I've watched for a very long time where I forgot about everything outside of me. It was just the football. I didn't think about the stadium. I weren't worried about what the managers were doing. I weren't looking who's on the bench. I weren't listening to the commentators. I was just zoned into the football. And it's been so long since I've had that kind of feeling like I'm watching Spurs and nothing else in the world matters. So... When I watched that match and that was the feeling, I was like, wow, at the end of it, I didn't even realise during the match, it was at the end of it, I was, it was well and truly exhilarating. I was like, you know, I sat back in my chair, I looked at my kids, we were laughing, we were speaking about it. And I thought to myself, wow, I haven't had this for a very, very long time. It was, it was ridiculously engaging, man. And I guess it's kind of what adds to the frustration. Like, you tell yourself, oh, we should have won the game. But then you also catch yourself thinking, this could have been a very different result, like, a couple of months of ago. And you have to, when you consider it in the context of it being a building block and yeah. it's showing where we could be in a couple, you know, a couple seasons of time, then you've got to, you've got to say, like, those guys, I think every, there's not a player who can come on that pitch who didn't, who didn't play their part. It didn't play that part at all. And I, that brings me on to the next part. We spoke about Conte coming in and him making decisions in January and people often saying that the, the squad isn't good enough. We were ravaged by COVID and then we had loads of games cancelled. You know, it's the whole rust versus rest kind of thing, argument. You know, are we, are we rusty because we haven't been playing or are we rested, are we ready to go? I felt like there was a bit of both. But there were a lot of players who gave a different account of themselves than they have done this season. The obvious ones, you know, obviously Kane is an obvious one, but I don't want to talk about Kane because, you know, 
we always worry at some point in the season whether Kane's like gone off the boil or whatnot. Yes, we know this has been tied to his wanting to leave and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not really fussed about him to be honest. What I will say, there are three players that drew my attention, right, for different reasons and different varying levels of impact. So Dele, I thought had an impact in his running, what he did, what he actually did with the ball, right. So I've always said he's one of those players that he he explores space. And that's where he's most devastating, right? I think the German phrase for it is like a ram, a ram data or daughter. Ram data? The idea that someone who invades the space, and that's where he causes trouble, by being in the right place at the right time. Thomas Muller is like the greatest in the world here, right? People say, we don't really know what Thomas Muller does. Is he fast? No. Is he, is he skillful, dribbling, blah? No. His technique is great, but he's always in the right place at the right time. To either play that pass yeah. or to score that goal. That's what he does. Yeah. And Delhi has always been that guy. But because people have moved away from a system of having two strikers, etc., people question whether there's a place to have him in there. I felt like he gave the kind of performance that means that he's not out of it. He's not out of it at all. Um, I thought that there was a lot of promise there in a position that looked a bit unfamiliar on paper, but seemed to work at least for a period of time. Lira, you're someone who's, um, who's said... Uh, in the past, you think that he's he's done with it. He's 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 gone, right? What do you think of what do you think about Dele's chances after seeing his uh, his performance? Unfortunately for me and Delhi, um, he's finished for me. And I'm not saying that he didn't play well when he, he weren't a part of uh, what the team does. But do you know what he's done this? He done this last season when there was big talk about him um, leaving. Who did they play against? And Delhi was amazing. Someone like Fulham or... It was one of those kind of teams that he had an amazing game. And the problem with me and Delhi is this. I don't think he has a professional mindset. So I don't feel, regardless of the formation, whether he's playing weekly or not, I just don't feel he's going to bed in how he should under Conte and the type of player that we need the consistency from. I don't think we're going to get it from him. I honestly don't. So, great, you had a great game. And you know what? Um, up until January, if he has great games, great. I still would say, send him on loan. Let's see what he could do on loan. Let's see where his mind's at. Because Delhi's situation is not just football. I think it's mental. And, you know, you don't change around mental aspects and things like that within a, a few weeks. I think it takes a, a, a long period of time. He's not been playing well for a long period of time and I think it's going to take him a long period of time to actually assess and understand where he wants to be in this football world. But before I send it over to Carl, I just want to check, like, I understand what you're saying about him needing a bit, a bit more time and for, for you not believing he can do it consistently. But if we're going to learn if he has any value, surely we should learn if he has any value for Conte because he's our manager. If he goes on loan and he goes and plays a different type of football, it's put him, you, the only purpose of putting him on loan is for him to leave, in my opinion. Like, put him on loan, show what he can do, see if he can score some goals, regain some form, blah, blah, blah. If he stays, he needs to stay because Conte feels that there's enough to work with to make him, make him an integral part of the team. To send him on loan to see if he can come back, is, to me, is redundant because he'll go and play well if he needs to go and play well somewhere else. Look, look at Lingard. Lingard went and played well at West Ham. He came back, had a bit of a flurry as a spark for for Man United. He's going now. He's, he's he can't agree contract. They don't. They obviously don't rate him enough. He's off. He's off. If he goes out on a loan, he's going to play for another manager, a different yeah. start. And if he shines, it'll be because he's in a different system. And then he'll have to go. But yeah, I understand where you're coming from, and I get that. And there is that side of it. But I think um, 
the the mental side of it's a massive thing. So Lingard decided that he was going to go. He decided that he was going to prove himself. You know, a different system doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. You have to make it work for yourself. And you have to... It's your decision. Do you know what I mean? And I think Lingard done that. And then when he went back, you know, he continued that on. You know, that was part of his mindset. But it was never going right for him at Man United anyway, to be fair. It stopped going right for him a few years ago. So for me... I'm not surprised that he's going to be leaving there now. But I think Delhi's mental aspect of his game is a massive thing. And I think people don't get it. But I, I really, I've, you know, I coach a lot of players. You know, I've watched a lot of football. And for me, there's something about his application to football which isn't right at the moment, you know. And I think until he kind of assesses that and gets that back into check, I don't think no matter who he plays for, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be an asset. I think he's gonna be a liability. I think. Do you know what? Let's keep him because you know in a minute they're saying we haven't got money to spend or that much money to spend. So we're gonna keep Dele. Let's see what happens because I, I guarantee I'll take anyone's money now. He's gonna disappear again. Carl, how do you feel? I'm the complete opposite. Team Dele, like the way <laughs> that we were singing his name in the stadium, forty five thousand of us chanting his name. I think I'm in the majority. Like, if you look at his stats, duels won, dribbles, uh, passes completed, he got himself around the pitch. He was first and second in all the key stats for a midfielder, and he didn't even play all 90 minutes. Or did he? I think, yeah, he didn't play. Uh, no, he didn't, no. He came off. I think he was fantastic. And I agree, he's been, he's been rubbish for a long time. But if anyone can get him back, it's Conte. Um... And, you know, he didn't break Lampard's and Gerrard's records when he was 21 by luck, right? He was, he was fantastic. And, yes, he was playing behind Kane. It was a different system. But he looked good under Nuno in the 4-3-3 for two, three games until the Arsenal game. So he can, he can adapt. He was willing to adapt. He's shown that. I think now we give him a chance. And, you know, worst case scenario, he's, he knows he's in the shop window and he wants to get a good move. But I'd like to believe that he wants to play for Spurs. And cynically... Spurs is the best club he will ever play for because if he leaves us he's not going to Real he's not going to Barca he's not going to Juve he's not going to Winter it's a bit like Danny Rose when's the Intercall coming or whatever it is um, like he's going he's going to Everton he's going to Newcastle and maybe there'll be a force in three four years but right now Newcastle are going down right those are the teams he's going for he's not going to be in London he's not going to be you know boohoo's going to drop him if he's playing for um, Newcastle for obvious reasons like it's just going to be an absolute mess so yeah, he, he wants, I think he wants to stay at Spurs. Of course he wants to stay at Spurs, but for every reason that you just said, the drop, the not being in London, the being dropped by a boohoo, I believe he needs all of that to become the player that he can, you know, that his uh, ability says he should become. Like, I think he needs to go through that. If he can play the way he played against Liverpool, once every two weeks, keep him. Once every two weeks? He's not a starter. No, every other game, every other game. He's not a starter for us. I, I, yeah, you know what it is? I know too much about Delhi outside of football. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. I'm not, I, I'm, I should be just looking at him from the, you know, the point of view where you guys are, footballer on the pitch and, you know, what comes up in the news. But I know more than that. So I'm just like, this guy is not a professional and I don't want him at Spurs. That's so fair enough, right? Football, football doesn't happen in a vacuum. So if you've got more information, then I'm inclined yeah, yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. I'm inclined, I'm inclined to agree with you, but I want him at Tottenham. From what I, like, yeah, he's... From what you know, you, you want him there. 
And so another another player who I mean I've definitely palmed off in the past, uh, Winks, right? Winks was fantastic on Sunday. There's no there's no way to there's no other way to describe him. He was fantastic on Sunday. And I think one of the things that was really key for me was the adventurous nature of his passing. He's constantly been criticised of going like left to right because that's what he does. Very safe, nothing contributions in terms of passing. Like people make out like it's like a thing that he's just he a, a rod that he's beaten with. Like it's come out of nowhere. It hasn't come out of nowhere. It's a fact. That's what he does, right? He just passes from like from like side to side and and frustrating. He didn't do that on Sunday and ended up creating multiple opportunities and chances. Now there are two things. One, it goes to show that he can be very useful in uh, in the system and having that grit means that there's potentially like a dovetail or he can he can challenge for minutes him and skip which is which is positive him skip and hobier to be honest um but i also felt like it highlighted the importance of having a creative midfielder because had winks not attempted those passes <laughs> what would you have done what would you have did done? you call winks did you call winks a creative midfielder um first of all i did not call him a creative midfielder but <laughs> on sunday he was a midfielder who was being creative that's a fact <laughs> No, no, that's, that's fine. A, that's that's fine. a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> sorry, actually, but what I'm trying to say here, yeah, my, <laughs> my question is, does this not further highlight the importance of having a creative midfielder? Because we don't, like, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. even though Mbele doesn't play, even though Mbele doesn't play, we don't have one. We just yeah. don't have one. Yeah. We ask yeah, yeah, Winks yeah. to be more of that. My thing is that, why would we not, why would we not encourage that from um, Winks, um, Skip, or just paying Mbele more mm. and get that out of him? Because, look, I saw a lot of people I mean, Twitter is not the best place to get to garner like well thought opinions after a game, after a Tottenham game. But a lot of people, I saw them going, "Ah, oh, Dombele's rubbish." Apart from that assist, he's done nothing. Blah blah. Let me tell you something about great players, right? Great players, great players only need they only need ten seconds, man, to influence the game. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I will never forget. This. I think I've mentioned this on the pod before, but I'll never forget when AC Milan and Barcelona were playing Champions League quarter final. And Ronaldinho was just joining around the pitch. I think the commentators were like, oh, Ronaldinho's done nothing this match, blah, blah. And Ronaldinho is like my favourite player of all time, right? So they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, he's done fine. nothing. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, yeah, he hasn't done much here, but he's someone who you just, you just have to leave him on the pitch. You just have to. Yeah. And out of yeah. nowhere, he pulls out this ball for Ludovic Juli and it goes over the defence, lands straight basically on his foot. It's a great finish, but evades everyone, lands straight on his toe and he bangs it in the corner and Barcelona win 1-0. And I'm like, that's why you can't take him off the pitch. If Ndombele's only contribution was that goal, it's seismic. Because without that, without that, what you fans are all sitting down on your seats in White Hart Lane when that goal, uh, if he doesn't play. Because that goal doesn't go in. He's the only person on that pitch who played that. Because the safe ball would have been to go out wide and to wait for someone to cross it back in because all our creativity is coming from our fullbacks. But he didn't do that. He was like, no, 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 we're doing this. And he had two options. Great run from Son. There was a great run from Kane. He picked out Kane and Kane finished it. And that, to me, is massive. Massively yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Of course, of course. People used to make the same criticism of Ericsson. Week in, week out, he doesn't do enough. He doesn't run back. He doesn't track. He doesn't tackle. But his stats, while he was at Spurs, that seven years, whatever it was, were phenomenal. Goals, assists, everything. And then when he does start tracking back, if you remember uh, Spurs against City, Champions League quarterfinal, he, got, he tracks back and gives the ball away and almost costs us our place in the, se- in the semis. So... There's a reason certain players aren't in those in those areas and are only useful in one direction. And 
you know, if we have a decent midfield, then yeah, we should absolutely be carrying Ndombele until he can do a bit more. Because his positional play was all right. It's just when it came to it, he didn't put a foot in or couldn't put a foot in or, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a slow mover. So he couldn't get close to people. Yeah, I mean... For me, I'm a bit lost with him at the moment. And I remember Andrew saying something about kind of managers needing to put their arm around certain players or certain players needing to know that they're wanted and they're part of the plan. And and I feel we might be suffering from some of that. I just... He baffles me at the moment because he's got all the talent in the world, you know. And no one could say to me he can't play 90 minutes or he hasn't, uh, you know season before played nearly every game and been a dominant player and one of our key players so what has happened within this period of time I mean maybe he was one of the Covid cases because you know it's rare that Dombele or even La Celso, I know he didn't play or feature it's rare that they get 90 minutes play 90 minutes anywhere and La Celso for Argentina yeah, yeah, won't yeah. play 90 minutes and Dombele for yeah, us yeah. you know last 6-9 months wouldn't get anywhere close yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, I I wonder. I'm like, he's clearly he's he's clearly someone who he needs people to have confidence in him. He needs someone to to really believe in what he's doing. But I think when you possess a talent that no one else has, I've always said this. Like, I think it's also reliant on the manager to make the most of that situation. Um, the same way when Ericsson first went to Inter, like, you know, they didn't want him. Like, they didn't want him. And then towards the end of the season, when people are getting tired and you need people are dropping back and you need someone to unlock, Ericsson game very important. Same thing happened on Conte, Conte's um, Chelsea when Fabregas wasn't getting it looking. It was, um, it was Matic and... Uh, Kante. Matic and Kante. Very functional midfield, runners, you know, break the ball up. But weren't inventive. And then when they seemed like things were getting a bit stale, Fabregas were brought in. So I think it's definitely an opportunity for him. Um, I just hope it's something that lasts longer because we're just a bit more exciting when he plays, man. And like you said, Carl, at the beginning, like enjoying the type of football we play is really, really important. And I think, Lero, to your point about maybe he needs an arm around the shoulder, that could be Conte because if rumours are to be believed, Conte wanted Ndombele last summer if he was going to stay at Inter and if they had money to spend. So... Yeah. There's the, there's the yeah. confidence. Do you know what it is? I'm from, you know, I'm not of the same ilk of Terry Butcher and those kind of men, but I'm like that. Just get on the pitch, do what you need to do. And I don't know about this cuddling and stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. I understand it with my son and my daughter and that age group coming up underneath. But these 25, 60, I just feel like this... These generations are too soft, man. They're too soft, and I, I don't understand it, honestly. But that's probably for another pod. Yeah, I mean, Lero, you've made no secret of that mentality way of thinking, and it's hard to argue. To be honest with you, it's hard to argue. But to me, I'm like, right, I can sit here and criticize that all day, but ultimately, I just want him to get the best out of that player. So if that's what he needs, bro, give it to him. Of course, give it to him and course, let him go. Yeah. What are the, what are you guys finding most exciting about Conte's system? For me, right now, right now it's the flexibility because his three-four-three from the first few games it was kind of working. We we're getting results. Football wasn't fantastic. We we're missing the creativity in the middle, and we've seen countless managers post Poch 
try and play with a single pivot and then realise that our defence isn't up to it or whatever it is. Um, so we were missing creativity, but it felt like that's how Conte plays, 3-4-3. Three, three. We're just going to have to get used to it and sign someone. But now he's shown a willingness to play 3-5-2. And given the performance against Liverpool, that's a bit of flexibility I just didn't expect. I was glad to see. I think three in the middle of the park gives us room for a, a skipper or Hoiberg plus a Winks, plus an Ndombele, and you're not, you know, you're not betting the house. There's enough people there to carry Ndombele. Maybe Delhi comes in if you want to switch it up and so on. Uh, La Celso when he's back. And then two up seems to work well. Like Kane and Son are brilliant together. And if you've got them, yeah, they're going to frighten most defences up there. And then you switch out one of them for Lucas, or maybe you switch out one of them for, for Bergwijn, or maybe Lucas becomes a wing back. Like, it's just a lot more flexible there, and that is that is encouraging. I thought we were going to get 3-4-3 three, three, forced down our throats. Flexibility, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I think I think trying to find... I think flexibility shows that you're always going to try and get the most out of your squad, as opposed to saying, this is how we play, and if you don't have the guys that fit that, then we're going to have to go and buy it. And then that means that whatever happens... For someone who's not going to be around for longer than 18 months on paper currently, I don't think you have the credibility right now to not credibility you don't, I don't think you have the authority right now to demand we go and swap out all our players for someone to go play in your style when you're not going to be around for that long I don't think I don't think there's much of an argument for that so the fact to show that he's willing to be flexible and get the best out of the players he has is really encouraging to me Lero what are you finding really interesting about the new system uh, I think it's a stability for me um, obviously I think it's given us a, a stable platform to be flexible do you know what I mean and um that, for me, is the most encouraging thing because I think I'm the most managers. I, I never looked at the formation and thought we're a stable side. Do you know what I mean? I think any, you know, anything could have happened. We lose a player on the left-hand side or someone's injured or, you know, the mentality goes, or we lose a goal and then the, the, the whole system just crumbles. So, for me, the stability of the, uh, the formation or the actual side that he's putting out there and the mentality, I just think that, for me, is the main thing. Okay, I hear that. Stability, flexibility. But go on, go on. So he's doing something that, and again, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get hate for this, but it reminds me of Mourinho's first Chelsea, right? He was like, I want two players in every position, and in interviews he sort of alluded to that. He's like, Dyer is my first middle centre back. Rodon is behind him. Uh, Romero is my right centre back, and Sanchez and then Tanganga is behind him. Davis, I haven't got cover for. I've got Emerson, I've got Tanganga, and then I've got Doherty. I've got Reggie, and then I've got Sess. I've got Skippen, Hoiberg, and then I've got whoever else. Like, he's got, and I think that's clear in the team, and it's like, you can move up, you can get a place. Like, you know, Skip was on the bench today. You can play ahead of these guys, but Mourinho had it set up in Chelsea. It's like, there's two players for every position, you know where you stand, you know the guy you need to be better than, and you know the job you need to be good at doing. And I think everyone now can know their job, know what they need to bring to the pitch. Hoiberg, under Nuno, under Mourinho, was doing everything. He did like three, four jobs. He was up and down, box to box, sweeper, everything. And you just can't do that. You can't sustainably run a club or a team like that. And I think Conte is just giving people jobs. They're like, look, you're only ever going to play here or here. These are the jobs you need to be good at. And then you play. Yeah. 
I think that's really yeah, interesting uh, assessment actually because I've, I've said before also on this pod that Conte is probably what we thought we were getting when we hired Mourinho like you know someone who's a serial winner blah blah but Conte actually actually um, actually in that position he's he's doing it he's winning right now right and his methods work with younger players it works with um, it works with older players he has a way of demanding more from you physically than, than elsewhere so for sure I feel like it's, um, it's very different but um, he's, he's definitely the kind of the kind of manager we thought we were getting um, um, when we hired Mourinho so it seems I think the positive they're moving forward and I'm feeling really encouraged actually about what the future beholds and now I, I look forward to games man I look forward to games and I want to I want to see what, what he can do continue to step his, um, step his mark on things um, so we are no longer in the Europa Conference League um, due to our inability to reschedule a match against Ren we have been awarded awarded is probably the wrong word but we've been given a 3-0 loss which means that we're out of competition um Lero, are you able to share your thoughts on how you feel about our, our unceremonious exit? <laughs> to be honest with you, I didn't want to be in it in the first place. And then we got in it, we was in it, and then I thought, well, if we're in it, let's win it. But I feel it was hampering us more than anything else, to be fair. And I know that normally when we play in Europe, you, you know it kind of gives you that extra game to kind of gel your team together, whereas I don't think the Thursday night was working for us. So, for me, I'm quite happy that we're out of that competition. If I can give you a woohoo, then there you go. <laughs> right. I'll yeah, I'm playing the world's tiniest violin because I could not give a toss about that competition. Yeah. We've got too many games to play uh, with all our cancellations. It's just going to get in the way. Like, we're going to have to fight random teams all over the world just to get into a final to play against Mourinho's Roma, who's got a point to prove. And then if you win the thing, you get an Intertoto Cup that you're just going to get mocked about. It's, I'd rather win the Audi Shield again than the Intertoto Cup. And you get 15 million euro, which, frankly, you know, I'd love 15 million euro personally, but for Spurs, it's not even <laughs> worth the paper it comes on. Right? It's 15 million euro. That was the point. Just, Go and get top four. You get more just showing up at Champions League. How much does that competition cost us? Because obviously they've got to fly them around the world. Yeah. That how much is you know? And it's not second class. It's got to be first class. And then you've got coaches and all. You, you man, know, are really breaking down the economics. Carbon <laughs> footprint. <laughs> and listen to that. How many this trees? We're talking many about trees? carbon footprint and the cost is. This <laughs> is the first time Seriously, we've got granular on the cost benefit analysis of a Tottenham competition. <laughs> we've not have a Tottenham competition. Now nah, you guys are taking a piss. Oh man, I just think it's. I, to be honest, look, if we are going to be in it. It's nice to be. It's nice to win it. Um, it does give us more time, I guess, to focus. Um, also, I think. One thing that I'm, I'm encouraged about is the fact that there are going to be opportunities, right? So I thought a big thing from this from this game was Sessegnon's approach, right? Sessegnon kept the most informed player, arguably, in the world, right? Not even arguably, he is the most informed player in the world. Kept him quiet. Kept him quiet. Not enough was said about that, right? And I don't want us to be another... We don't, I don't want us to be another podcast who does that, but the best, the best player in the world right now was kept quiet by Ryan Sessegnon. And he is currently play, playing for a place against Regulon, which he's been great since Conte's come. That battle, 
it's gonna look pretty tasty. Like I think that I like I like the way that's shaping up. And if that can spark other battles in the team, skip Hoybier, Winks, and Dombele beefing out at midfield. I mean, obviously, due to our lack of planning and squad depth, Kane and Son are pretty much untouchable, right? But Lucas found things shifted up. Yes, he was recovering from COVID and stuff, but he now looks at Delhi. He's like, Delhi did bits that day. You know, he did bits that day. And if it wasn't for a fine save from, yes, you could argue a player of his quality. And, you know, Andrew was saying, inform Delhi scores that goal, right? But it was still a fantastic save. It's still a fantastic save. So there are battles all over the pitch. So the Conference League was a great way to, for those people to audition. But they're not, if they don't have the opportunity, training's just got to become more intensive. That's it. The intensity's got to grow. Well, go for it. Just one word on Cess. Because I, when I saw the lineup, I just thought he was going to get absolutely eaten alive by Salah. And I was really nervous for that. And for me, the mark of a great footballer isn't necessarily keeping someone quiet or even scoring a load of goals. It's if I can't even see how you've done it, then you're doing something phenomenal. And like Cess, I see him stand up against Salah, and then Salah, like for whatever reason, he doesn't run the way he normally does, or he does, and he gets caught. And he was Cess wasn't doing anything that I could see that was phenomenal, but he just Salah couldn't get past him. And you know, Cess is a little guy. You know, I could get past him, just push him out the way. But I was just like, <laughs> he's doing something, and it yeah, scared the bejesus out of Salah. So. That is the mark of a good footballer. He was on job. He was on job. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what you're right. I can't. I can't point to one thing. Like you know, when Tanganga marks someone at the game, yeah, you can see it's aggressive one on one. Like you're not getting. You're not having it today. It's like rough and tumble, pace, power, blah blah. But with this, I, like, I didn't see none of that. But this my man was just quiet, bro. And and uh, there were a few times where he got the ball and he like shepherded him out, and he closed down the space. And I was like, Ross, Cess, is that you? Yeah, Cessignon. All right. All right. You know what's crazy about it? We've been looking at his game and it's been down here. And then he's had a game that's up here. And for me, for his mentality, I'm going to go back to mentality, that must have been so big that his next game, I'm expecting big things. Even if he's quiet, is it, even if he doesn't play the next game and um, Reggie plays, or he does play, I'm expecting big things from him, for me personally, because I think you're right, the battle's there, that battle should be something he relishes. But because of the way that uh, Regalon plays and his body type, you know you're going to get many injuries out of him. And it might be, you know, a week or two week injuries, but he's going to have many an injury through the season. So for me, Sessa's got to be looking at it now like, yeah, I'm in and I'm going to battle to the end of the season. And just to, just to throw back to something you mentioned earlier, when I was like, but guys, we're Tottenham, like, we're just lucky to be out here sort of thing. I think another instance of being browbeaten is just like, my or maybe our perception of Cess, right? When we signed him, he was 19 years old, 40 million pounds, like young player of the year, world beater at Fulham, comes to us, gets injured, doesn't show up, goes out on loan, gets smacked around a little bit, comes in and we're like, all right, now we've got this 20, 21 year old and we don't really know what to do with him. He's sick. And so him keeping Salah quiet is to be expected. It's just we've had two years of utter dross across the entire club that we just forgotten it and yeah. Don't expect that from him, but he can do that. I'm really, I'm really excited about about where these things can go and the, the progress that we're we're making. Um, but I also am a Tottenham fan, so I'm not gonna get too excited because, boy, you know. But um, I don't want to be part of that, that club no more. Say that again. I don't want to be part of that club no more. But we're a Spurs fans. 
But you know what? Lira, I hate it. Lyra, do you know what? It. Let me say that right it. now, yeah? The thing about the thing about being Tottenham, right, for me, is that I hope for the best always, but I'm always prepared for the worst. Because I do yeah. expect more, right? I don't I don't accept like for me it's not an acceptance of joy with Liverpool. It's more it's acceptance of joy with Liverpool at this stage in the development yeah. under Conte. I fully think that we should have won that game. 100%. 100%. Because before, yeah. yeah, Liverpool had some chances to go up. They didn't take those. Second, you don't take your chances. And then we are presented with chances. We need to take those. Harry Kane missed sitters. He missed, let's be frank, he missed sitters on Sunday. Yeah, he did, he did. He did. And he needs to make up for those. He, he needs to make up for those. Yeah. But I think that in the position where we are in the development under Conte, to come against Liverpool, and not necessarily that scoreline, but to put in that performance, that assured performance, Right. Yeah, it was massive. It's massive. It's massive. massive. Yeah, it's massive. Massive. But um, I think we'll I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, Carl, look, as per usual, it's always a pleasure hanging out with you. Um, so thank you very much for jumping on the pod. Um, I'll see you in New Year's. Uh, Lero, me was superstar, man. What can I say? In fact, you know I can't even call you superstar no more, bro. You are integral integral part of this machine, bro. You are you are the the wigs. Wow! Wow! He has one game and then I get disrespected with him. That is too much. All right, I'm Harry Wiggs. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah, so, no, but anyway, as, as, per, as per usual, thank you very much. Um, guys, it's been a pleasure. Um, do follow us on Shellpod on Twitter um, if you're feeling uh, feeling like you want to jump into some of our conversations and um, tell Andrew where he's talking nonsense. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. Five stars only, because we only give you five star content, so it only makes sense. Give someone a gift to the pod. Tell a friend, tell a friend. Um, the more, the merrier, so we're looking forward to that. Um, yeah, so uh, guys, there's nothing else to say, man, other than smile, guys, because we are still unbeaten under Conte. The sun always shines on the shelf side. Lero, please run the outro. <laughs> Side, 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 side